G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. One night, the elderly missionary leader, he just quietly challenged me and he just said, Chris, you know, we've really enjoyed having you here for a few days. We're amazed by the experiences you've had, all the things you've done, the places you've been at. But he said, son, you know, you're still searching. And those words, Eric, it just went into my heart. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, on the last few programs, we've heard the incredible story of Bruno Fragoli, who was one of Mussolini's bodyguards before eventually putting his faith in Christ and becoming an amazing evangelist in South America. Then his daughter, Erica Grace, shared her story and how, unfortunately, she had a highly dysfunctional relationship with her stepmother, who regularly put her down. But they eventually reconciled and we ended last time as Erica shared how her parents apologised to her. Now, one of the things that helped Erica heal from such a troubled childhood, besides her faith in Jesus, was her relationship with her husband, Chris Grace, from Sydney, Australia. And today, we're going to hear his story. Now, how did a young man from Sydney wind up in South America? We'll find out as Chris has a chat with Eric Scadabo from his home on the east side of Melbourne. Chris Grace, welcome to the program. Hello, Eric. It's really good to be with you on the program today. Glad to have you with us, and we're going to hear your story today on the program. But before we get started with that, I just wanted to ask you, uh, you were there when Erica was sharing about her her troubled childhood. Uh, How did you feel hearing uh, your wife share about going through such difficult times? I have heard it before a number of times, of course, over these years, more than 40 years have we been married now. And it, it's always impacting, mm. um, always a degree of of sadness about that situation, but um, very grateful that when we have Christ in our lives and just the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of God's Word, mm-hmm. um, it, it really assists us to deal with issues from the past mm-hmm. and to be able to be helped and to overcome them with time, Eric, Mm -hmm. so very grateful, and our relationship is just so important for Erica and I, for me especially, and it's been wonderful to see the degree of healing over these years, Mm -hmm. and especially when Erica had that reconciliation with her parents, ultimately, um, that was a real breakthrough, and and what a blessing, what a, a good way to to come through all of that difficult period, Eric. Very grateful. And before we get started, I just have to ask, what was your reaction when you found out that your future father-in-law had been Mussolini's bodyguard? I mean, what did you think? I was, I was just amazed. I've been <laughs> amazed at, at all of that background, the story, um, to think how God intervened and in so many ways to to protect him and to allow him to live because, mm-hmm. frankly, if Bruno had died, well, then my life would have been very yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. would never have met Erica, of course. So 
um, just wonderful to see God's plan and purpose for Bruno's life and yeah. then how it carried out mm-hmm. in into the life of Erica and, and her other brothers and sisters. Okay, well, let's hear your story today. It all begins in Sydney, Australia. How was your childhood? Yes, look, grew up there in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. uh, did my basic schooling there, Eric, and uh, when I finished school, went into an organisation called the AMP Society, an insurance company, and uh, worked there for six or seven years in several departments, superannuation, investments, management, accounting. I did an accounting degree and also um, did some exams in the insurance industry. Um, But I think in all of that period of childhood, I think one of the things that is worth mentioning at this stage Mm -hmm is the fact that when Billy Graham made his first uh, major trip to Australia in 1959, Mm -hmm. as a young lad of nearly 14 years of age, I went forward in one of the days of the crusade, Eric, and gave my life to Christ, Mm -hmm. and still have to this day all of the materials that the Billy Graham crusade provided for the new believers. Is that right? Yes, I've still got all the letters and all the little booklets and... uh, Still look back at those with uh, with a great deal of interest. Um, yeah. Now, had you had any spiritual background before attending that Billy Graham crusade? Yes. Fortunately, back then, nearly all children went to Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So my parents did send me to Sunday school, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm grateful for now to hear all the Bible stories. But I continued in a denominational church for some years, but. Look, unfortunately, by the time I started work, my interest in Christianity and in church had really waned, Mm -hmm. Eric, and I I turned away from the Lord in those years when there was just so many other things on, and I must say, not uh, a great deal of um, interest from the church in in me. There wasn't a strong youth group, Mm -hmm. and I don't recall any pastor ever making that personal contact. Unfortunately, my parents were not attending church either, mm-hmm. so I I dropped off going to church and reading the Bible and even praying, and I just went my own way. And speaking of going your own way, your own way was all over the world, is that right? Indeed it was. When I finished my studies, by then it's late 60s, mm-hmm. and back then a lot of young Australians were travelling, Mm-hmm. And the popular thing was to have a working holiday over in Britain. But mm-hmm. uh, we decided, myself and some mates, to do something a little differently. We spent a couple of months traveling around Australia and then went to Africa. Oh, okay. And uh, I spent nearly a year in Africa between working in South Africa as a tourist guide and then doing uh, quite an extraordinary overland trip through the continent of Africa uh, by land and um, eventually moving up. We traveled down the Nile, got to Egypt, and then I moved through the nations of North Africa and eventually arrived in England in 1970. Wow, a lot of adventure there. It was very interesting, uh, quite amazing experiences. Some of them weren't all good. On one occasion, we were trying to get into Tanzania, and uh, 
uh, authorities uh, picked us up and they accused us of being mercenaries from the Congo. And, oh, wow. And unfortunately, they put us in prison for a few days. Is that right? Which, yeah, was very unpleasant. And uh, But look, so many interesting things. It was wonderful seeing the ancient civilizations in Egypt mm-hmm. um, and things like that. And we met some wonderful people on that trip. But I doubt you'd be able to do a trip like that today. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Chris Grace, who's the husband of our guest last time, Erica Grace. As we've been hearing, Chris has been sharing about his journeys throughout many parts of the world. Next, we'll hear a bit about his spiritual journey as well and how he eventually found himself alone and disillusioned in South America. All that and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Chris Grace about his life journey. As we've been hearing, Chris had a hunger for adventure in his young adult years, and so he left Australia to go travelling the world. But what he eventually found out was that all that travelling didn't fill the emptiness in his heart. Now, here's more of Chris's story. Now, how did you eventually make your way to South America? Well, I spent a year in uh, in England, getting further and further away from, from God, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, I got involved with, um, look, humanism. Um, I just was not interested, really, in God, nor church, of course, nor Christianity. And uh, met a lot of people during these travels, of course, and uh, Americans, and they invited me, if I ever came to the States, to please come. And I met some people from Peru. Mm-hmm. And um, they invited me also to come down to their nation. So, look, I continued traveling, Eric. I I went to the States, spent a few months in the States visiting people that I had met on my travels. Mm -hmm. And I continued on down overland through Central America. Wow. Eventually arrived in Peru at the end of 1971. You were quite the explorer. I was. It was (laughs) quite an amazing uh, uh, period and again, many interesting experiences. Mm-hmm. But by the time I reached Peru, I was quite a, a hardened traveller. My money was um, running out, so I started teaching English in Peru. I lived in Peru for a year, mm-hmm. taught English at the Catholic University and in a private college there. And at that stage of my life, I started to get involved with Eastern religions, studying Buddhism and Hinduism Mm. and the religion of the Sufis in Iran. And I I was practicing yoga and meditation. I even became a vegetarian, can you imagine? Wow, you were really uh, like a flower child or something like that? Uh, Well, I I never considered myself a hippie, but my my search Mm -hmm. for some meaning, uh, for something uh, to believe in, I guess, Eric. Yeah. Um, I need to point out a little incident that happened okay. during that period back in Australia. I had a terrible car accident in my father's vehicle, would you believe? Mm. I fell asleep at the wheel oh. and crashed into a telegraph pole. Wow. And I can, 
I can remember when I eventually got back into work, a, a Christian young lady that worked in my section, she she said, look, God has protected your life and he's trying to get back into your life once again. But unfortunately, I made light of all of that, Derek, mm. and I, I didn't heed that warning, unfortunately. Yeah, but the seed was planted. Absolutely. Oh, my word, it really mm. was. Yeah. Um, so here I am in Peru. Mm-hmm. I'm really searching. I'm seeking. I had uh, a close death experience in Peru, and uh, very nearly I thought I had died, and was just so grateful when I realised that that death experience. Um, what happened? Look, I experimented with some substance, and uh, I, I felt that that I was dying. Wow! And um, it terrified me. Really, mm-hmm. I, I had yeah. this fear of death. And um, I also got very sick in Peru, Eric. I I got hepatitis Mm -hmm. uh, very badly, that disease of the liver, and it laid me up for five months. I spent a month in Lima's public Mm -hmm. hospital, which uh, was not a very pleasant experience at all. Mm. And then four months to get over the, the illness. Wow. But at the end of that time, I was offered a job working in the jungle of Peru with a team of geologists from France. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were looking for oil. And so I went over there with them, and during our time back in the deep jungle area near the Brazilian border, we ran into some missionaries who were working with Indian tribes mm-hmm. in that area. Mm-hmm. And the leader of the mission invited me he said look when you finish your your job here with these geologists if you want a place to stay for a few days come and live with us they were living in a town out in the peruvian jungle called pucalpa Mm -hmm. and so i went and um, stayed with them for several days eric and by then you know i I thought all religions were talking about one and the same thing and Mm. it didn't really matter what religion you chose so long yeah. as you were sincere and I was trying to be sincere and trying to get to know God in my own way but one night the elderly missionary leader he just quietly challenged me uh, it was quite late it was near midnight and he just said Chris you know we've really enjoyed having you here for a few days we're amazed by the experiences you've had all the things you've done the places you've been at and what do you think? But he said, son, you know, you're still searching. Mm. And those words, Eric, it just went into my heart. Mm. And I was just too proud to admit to to Bert, his name was Bert, Mm. that that was true. And he said, son, what you need is an encounter with Jesus. And he said, I can't give you that, but if you'll pray to God, I know God will answer your prayer mm-hmm. and so I was staying in a room um, outside the mission house that had a room at the back of the property just before getting into bed I got down on my knees and it had been a long time since I'd prayed and I said God if all of this that I've been hearing these days about Jesus is true show me mm-hmm. and you know I didn't hear a booming voice or anything like that, but I felt God speak to my heart and he used my name and he asked me a question. 
And the question was, Chris, do you really think that you are not a sinner? Mm. And I was amazed at that, Eric. Yeah. When you get into Eastern religions and all their writings and things like that, they don't talk about sin. Mm. And I, I didn't think I was a sinner. But boy, that night, hearing that question from God, it made me really think and reflect about my life. And mm. thinking back, I realized, my goodness, some of the things that I had done and been into. And I felt, too, at the time, as I'm there, just on my knees, it was as if God was saying, Chris, I've been trying to get into your life for years, and you've rejected me. Mm. And uh, I was feeling his love for me, Eric. And uh, that night, I, I, I repented of all of those years of, of being so self-centered, living such a selfish life. Mm. I, I repented of that, and I, I felt, um, as I said, it was an overwhelming sensation of God's love for me, mm -hmm. despite the years of, of rebellion. And I, I felt this... <laughs> almost an indescribable sensation of, of peace and joy. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And it was about one o'clock in the morning, and I, I remember saying to myself, I've got to tell somebody about this. <laughs> so I, I ran back to the mission house, and I'm banging on the door, and Bert and his wife Marjorie came out, and I, they could tell, you know, that I had an experience. Mm. I'll never forget, they said to me, Son, we, we just want you to know that when you went off to your room, we felt something was going to happen tonight, and we've been in our bedroom on our knees praying for you, interceding wow. for you. Wow. Eric, that was a turning point in my life. Yeah. Um, my reconciliation to Christ, and that was the beginning, I think, of um, a new life for me, and as I say, a turning point, and finally yielding and allowing God to um, unfold and, and develop the ongoing plan and purpose. Yeah. So what did you do next? Well, I must say, the very next day after I'd had this experience, I, I had been reading the New Testament because they'd given me a New Testament. And I said to Bert, I want to know how all of this ends. And he said, well, you need to read the book of Revelation. Oh, okay. So I, I remember that was the first book that I read. Oh, wow. Um, I think I read it all in a day, you know, because mm. I was just so touched, so impressed. Um, but I, I do remember Eric being impressed that I need to get into God's Word. Mm -hmm. um, and that desire and uh, that blessing has been with me uh, until today. Look, the Lord led me uh, to the mountains of, of Peru, Eric. I worked mm -hmm. in an Indian cooperative, helping them with some accounting work. Um, I met a missionary from the Assemblies of God. I never never knew anything about the Assemblies of God back then. Yeah. He helped me. He taught me. Nearly every night we'd get together, have a meal, and have some teaching. Mm -hmm. And he actually baptized me in water up in Lake Titicaca, uh, one of the, the the quickest baptisms I think I've ever known because it was so cold. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was a a coup on, and um, oh wow, that so was a very quick baptism. So then I, I set off 
decided to leave Peru. I was actually intending to go back to Australia and I saw the rest of South America again travelling by land and when I reached Paraguay, I met some Assemblies of God missionaries again Mm -hmm. and staying with them for a few days, uh, this dear man, his name was Don, um, was getting ready to go back home on furlough and he had been four years on the field, he was the field accountant, but he'd done no work with accounting records at all. His drawers and office was just full of little bits of paper and receipts and bills and everything, but he'd done no accounting work. Oh, wow. And so I turned up and I said, well, Don, if you're willing to give me a bit of room and board, I'll, I'll help you, you know, put all your books together. Mm-hmm. So it took me nine months, Eric, to, to get it all nine done. Nine months? <laughs> Must have been pretty messed up. In the end, I was, you know, changing nappies on the new baby and um, <laughs> helping give bottles to the baby, and I sort of became one of the family. Oh, wow. It, it was it was a blessing staying with Don and his family and helping them. And, uh, and then they returned to the U.S., and they, in the next year, 1974, they reopened a Bible school mm-hmm. in Asuncion of Paraguay. Mm-hmm. And I was becoming just much more interested in God's Word and Christianity, and I'd been meeting, you know, some wonderful people and visiting some churches with Don. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go into the Bible school, and they asked me to be the supervisor of the men's students. So I moved in with them oh, into okay. this communal, huge communal room where there were. Uh, probably about 10 or 15 beds and uh, started living with them and um, relating with the the Paraguayans and they speak both Spanish and their own language which is called Guarani Mm. and in that year 1974 uh, about mid-year Erica came to Paraguay to fulfill part of her mission course out of her Bible college in the States. Oh, okay. And this is where we first met. And Eric, I can still remember, because she stayed with missionaries, and the missionaries <laughs> invited me around for a meal. And I'd been hearing through the grapevine a bit about this lovely young Italian lady. Oh. And we joke to this day, you know, I, I, I arrive at Joe and Margaret's house, and Eric is shyly in the background there and they introduced me and I I, I said so you're Erica (laughs) 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 so that was the that was the beginning of our contact well the circle is complete we finally found out how Chris Grace from Sydney Australia meets the Italian young lady Erica in South America Wow, this is really turning out to be an international story, but it's not over yet. Next time, we'll hear their story as a couple and how God helps them overcome many of the challenges they faced being missionaries with very little income. It's all coming up next time when both Chris and Erica will join us. 
But before we go, I just want to reflect on how Chris was searching all over the world for peace and fulfilment before finally finding it in South America, where he put his faith in Jesus. And now that he has a relationship with the Lord, there is nowhere he can go to escape God's presence in his life. As it says in the book of Psalms, Where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Yes, God is always there for us, and he will never leave us or forsake us. Well, thanks for joining us for Chris Grace's story. And again, we invite you to join us next time for more of Chris and Erica's life journey. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I had enough money to pay the bus fare to get out to where the church was located. And then the money was gone. Yeah. And so I, I shared that night, and um, this, this was all open air. And out of the darkness, a man came up to me, and he said in Spanish, God bless you, held out his hand. And I could feel something between his hand and my hand. And I remember thinking... <laughs> Oh, God, I hope that that is what I think it might be. (laughs) In the 1970s, when Chris Grace from Sydney was living in Paraguay, South America, he kept on hearing through the grapevine about a lovely young Italian lady named Erica. Little did he know that he would eventually become her husband and would be instrumental in helping her heal from emotional wounds. Chris and Erica Grace will share their story next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.